podcast about God's kingdom teaching from the Bible. Let me see, first of all, that I could have shared much more about God's future millennial and new earth kingdom. But that is not the purpose for these kingdom podcasts. I'm sharing these kingdom podcasts mainly to get church-age believers to see that being part of God's future kingdom realm involves much more than simply being saved or born again. Sadly, many believers in the church are not interested in truly learning and knowing what the truths of God's written word are these days. One would think that any true believer would be excited to learn about what the Bible has to say about God's future millennial and new earth kingdoms in light of the fact that that is hopefully where they're going to spend their eternity. But again, sadly, most believers in the church are content in believing what they want the truths of God's written word to be instead of actually knowing what the truths of God's word are. That's the scriptures call that doing what's right in your own eyes. It's simply another form of being unteachable. And doubly sad is the fact that because so many believers in the church make their spiritual decisions using their emotions instead of their God-created brains, they don't even see how biblically ignorant they truly are. Christ commanded his followers to pile up treasures in heaven. So what Christ was telling his followers to do was to pile up future kingdom rewards. And how does the child of God pile up or build up future kingdom rewards? By being an obedient follower of Christ, which can only be achieved if we are obedient to those rules or commandments that the king has handed down to his servants in the church age. Please listen carefully to what I share next. The rich young ruler. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. I'm going to interject in here because this is an important teaching. And this teaching also gets messed up all the time in Christian churches. And someone came to Christ and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Notice Christ didn't say, well, nobody can do anything to earn or merit eternal life. I mean, I'll expound on this later on. This young man was asking about a better life or a kingdom life. He's saying, what, what do I have to do, Christ, to have this great kingdom life in the next life? So Christ said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into this eternal life, keep the commandments. Again, now let me interject. No one is eternally saved by keeping God's commandments. So Christ isn't talking about this person getting saved or born again. He's already a follower. He's talking about achieving a better eternal life, an eternal life spent in God's kingdom. Uh, Christ would be a deceiver if he told anyone that they could get eternally saved by obeying God's commandments. No one's saved by keeping God's commandments. So obviously this rich young ruler is not asking Christ what it takes to get saved or born again. With that said, I believe that it's quite obvious that Christ is speaking to someone who already believes in a saving Messiah, even though he hasn't quite figured out that he's talking to his Messiah yet. But this rich young ruler is questioning Yeshua, who he presently only sees as a great teacher of God's word, about what it takes to have a special or better life in the coming kingdom of God. Remember, the Jews believed that the Messiah, when he came, was going to establish God's kingdom on earth. Let's continue on. Then the rich young ruler said to Christ, Which one should I do? And Yeshua said, You shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear fault witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And the young man said to Christ, all these things I do. Now, he's not being facetious there. We can't do those things. I mean, we're not, not 
not going to do them perfectly, but if we're walking with the Lord and we can strive to do those and work at them and continue to get better at doing those things, and as long as we can deal with our sin and, and have the blood of Christ wash away those areas in our life when we stumble when we don't do this right, we can be doing the things that please the Lord. So when this rich young ruler said, I, I've been doing these things, he said, what else do you want me to do? He says, uh, Yeshua said to him, verse 21, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Again, I need to interject. Brethren, no matter how much money or goods a lost or unsaved person gives for righteous deeds or charities, they will not have treasure in heaven. Lost people cannot buy their way to heaven. Lost people cannot store up treasures in heaven. So again, Christ is obviously talking to someone that he believes is already a true believer in a redeeming Messiah. So he's telling this rich ruler, if you do some righteous things that please the Father, you can pile up treasures in heaven, which is a good thing to do. However, one of the things that Christ was good at is sticking the knife where it needed to be stuck. And he knew that this rich young ruler loved money more than he loved serving God. So when this rich young ruler heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned a lot of stuff. And Yeshua said to, turned around and said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Christ is not saying it's hard for a rich man to get saved or born again. He's saying it's hard for that person who's born again to spend their eternity in the kingdom because getting into kingdom involves more than simply being born again. Again, I need to reiterate that. When Christ tells his disciples that it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom, I don't believe that Christ is telling them that it's hard for a rich person to get saved or born again. And why would it be? Getting eternally saved from hell is easy. It's free. On the other hand, getting into God's kingdom in the next life especially getting in his kingdom and having rewards and honors and blessings, is not free. It takes hard work, enduring dedication, and perseverance in obedience to God's commandments. It says in Acts chapter 14, verse 21, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra and Antioch, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships if they want to enter the kingdom of God. Now, wait a minute. I thought salvation's free. It is. So, obviously, Paul is talking about something more than just getting born again or saved. He's talking about if you want to be honored and rewarded and blessed in the next life, you're going to have to go through some trials, temptations, and some hardships. It's going to be a tough walk. Now, this rich young ruler was not the kind of believer who was sold out for God. Now, this does not mean that he wasn't saved or born again. It simply means that in the next life, he will not receive those kingdom rewards and blessings that the Lord gives to those believers he deems faithful. This rich ruler cares so much about his earthly possessions that he could not let them go, even if it meant forfeiting a better eternal life in the kingdom of God in the next life. Now, Peter and the disciples see and hear what Christ says, and they clearly understand what Christ is teaching. Because Peter says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What is there for us in the next life? Now, Peter, like the rest of the disciples, were already born-again believers. But Peter knows that there's more to the next life. This kingdom life is more than just being born again or saved. It takes 
It takes the sacrifice. It takes discipleship. It takes dedication. It takes the willingness to take up your cross. It takes perseverance and obedience to God's word. All these things are things that a believer can earn when they stand in the presence of their Savior at the judgment seat and hear, well done. So again, Peter says, Lord, what is there for us? We've given up everything to follow you. And Christ replied, Matthew 19, 28, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, this is going to be in his kingdom, millennial, will start with the millennial kingdom. You who have been my followers, faithful followers is what he mean, will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in the next life, is what he's saying, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem the least important now will be greatest in the kingdom. Now, well, obviously Christ is not talking about salv eternal salvation. He's talking about rewards and blessings in the kingdom because we don't need to give up anything to get born again. It's a free gift. So everybody needs to understand this. Christ is talking about rewards and blessings in the next life. The rewards that Christ speaks of for the faithful believers are kingdom rewards. Christ is not speaking metaphorically about earthly rewards. Christ knows that it won't be long and these faithful followers of his are going to suffer terribly. So obviously Christ wasn't promising his faithful followers that this life will go well for them. The rewards that Christ promises his faithful followers will be doled out in the next life at the judgment seat of Christ, and these will be kingdom rewards. So for a believer to be found faithful at the judgment seat of Christ, it takes more than just being a faithful churchgoer. Remember, we need to worship in spirit and truth. So for a eternally saved, born-again, blood-bought child of God to be found faithful, to be found a faithful follower of Christ in the church age, that would mean that that believer obeys those rules or commandments that are for the church. And it's those church commandments and teachings that the Lord considers His truths for his church. Unfortunately, a lot of God's people these days get their spiritual truths from the same place that the liberal secularists get their truths, and that's from online social networking sites. It must break our Heavenly Father's heart to see so many of his children so biblically ignorant of the truths of his written word. Isaiah 42, 19 through 20. Who is as blind as my own people, my servants, he says? Who is as deaf as my messenger? Who is as blind as my chosen people, the servant of the Lord? You see and recognize what is right, but you refuse to act on it. You'll hear with your ears, but you won't really listen. A lot of shepherds have refused to teach the truths of God's word to the people. And the consequences of that is that the enemy has filled our churches with a lot of false doctrines and false teachings. A lot of shepherds have become like junkyard dogs that don't bark. At the judgment seat of Christ, the blood of the sheep will be on these shepherds' hands. It says in Ezekiel 33, verse 1 through 9, Once again a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against the country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. And when the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm, but they ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsibility for their captivity. They will die in their sins. But I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. Now, son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. 
If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, they will die in their sins, but I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will still die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself from a serious judgment. That's the problem with these shepherds today. They're not doing their job of warning the sheep of all the dangers. Enemies all around us. Enemies even in the churches. Bad doctrines, bad teachings, even bad worship songs. The word of God no longer matters to most believers. It's what makes them feel good inside Sunday mornings. That's what, that's what Christianity is about today, what makes you feel good. As I do my final podcast about what the scriptures say about God's kingdom teachings, you really need to picture in your mind these kingdom thoughts and ideas coming to fruition. You must also accept the biblical fact that there will be a day of judgment for all blood-bought, eternally saved believers who receive the free gift of eternal life by their faith in the gospel of Christ. And that judgment day is not to determine if you truly were born again or not. The day of judgment, at least the day of judgment at the judgment seat of Christ, is going to be used to determine how faithful believers were, born-again believers were, to the laws and commandments handed down to us by our King. Brethren, you need to realize that the great I Am literally is a king with a kingdom. You need to realize that the great I Am literally rules and reigns over your vast supernatural and natural realms and amazing supernatural and natural beings. You need to picture in your mind our king, who is far above all other kings and gods, sitting on a literal majestic throne in a literal majestic kingdom that's going to come to this earth in the near future. Brethren, what I'm sharing with you is not a bunch of stuff I just made up in my head. The scriptures are loaded with teachings about these future kingdoms that are going to be coming to planet Earth. So you need to realize that even though our Creator God King is always holy and just, He can also choose to be compassionate and kind to those servants of His who sincerely serve and obey Him. In fact, the King of all kings' compassion and kindness runs so deep that He has created a way for sinful, puny, whiny, grumbly, rebellious enemies of His to not only be rescued from certain eternal death, but also to have an important part in his kingdom realm. And this eternal journey starts for lost people when they accept his only son as their savior. However, please listen to me carefully. Simply becoming a child of God through faith in his son does not merit or earn that new child of God special rewards, blessings, or honors in God's kingdom. Becoming an eternally saved from hell, spiritual child of God through faith in Christ simply qualifies us. That means it allows us to be part of God's eternal kingdom, which in turn gives us the opportunity to do those things that please the king, which in turn earns us special rewards, honors, and privileges in our king's kingdom. So if we are found by the king to be sincerely faithful servants to his commandments and laws, he, the king, will bestow on us special, literal kingdom rewards, honors, and privileges. Again, let me reiterate. Those special kingdom rewards, honors, and privileges are not doled out by our king simply because we are his children. Those special kingdom rewards, honors, and privileges are doled out to us by our king if he judges, i.e. determines us to be faithful to his written word. However, if our king finds that we have not served him faithfully, according to his laws and commandments, he, being a just and righteous king, will not honor us as being a faithful servant of his, but rather consider us to be unfaithful servants or subjects. And there's even a possibility that we will be kicked out of his kingdom in the next life. 
So let me share that again. If we are judged to be unfaithful by our king at the judgment seat of Christ, that means that we will not receive any special kingdom rewards, blessings, or privileges. In fact, based on how unfaithful our king finds us at the judgment seat of Christ, he, the king, might even choose to banish us from his kingdom. Now, we're not going to be sent to hell. We're eternally saved. We got that free gift of eternal life when we got born again. But we are going to be, there's a possibility we could be banished from his kingdom in the next life. That should scare the bejeebies out of people. Matthew 25. But the master, i.e. the king, that's who the master is in the Bible, replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Now he's talking to one of his servants. He's not talking to a a lost person. The king doesn't expect a lost person to be faithful to his commandments. The king says, Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then the king ordered, Take the money from this wicked, lazy servant and give it to the faithful servant who has already earned ten bags of silver for me. To those faithful servants of mine who do well with what they are given, even more will be given to them, and they will have an abundance. But from those wicked, lazy servants who do nothing, even what little they have, I will take away from them. Now throw this useless, lazy servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is Christ talking about what the kingdom is going to be like. The faithful ones get honored, the unfaithful ones get booted out. Again, now this person isn't sent to hell when they're sent to the outer darkness. I I talked about this in one of the other podcasts. You need to check it over. But this wicked, lazy, born-again, eternally saved child of God is going to be kicked out of the kingdom because he was unfaithful with the things the Lord gave him. Now the things the the Lord's given us in this age is his word. He expects his faithful children to go out throughout this land and share the truths of his word with the dying world. I mean, he's blessed us other ways with money and jobs and homes. We can use that to glorify the Lord. But the main thing is, is the Lord expects us to take the, the, the sacred writings of his word, his commandments and teachings, and go into this world and proclaim the excellencies of God and, and the wonders of God and, and use the word of God to glorify the Lord and to, and to bring honor and, and glory to his son who died to save people from their sins. Now, if what I just read in Matthew 25 happens to a carnal, biblically disobedient, but eternally saved child of God, they will still be in paradise and not be banished to hell because of their initial faith in their son's sacrifice for their sin. However, they will spend their eternity living outside the walls of God's kingdom, where forevermore they will live their eternal life in a state of regret and sorrow because they chose to spend their earthly days living for self, or monies, or jobs, or wives, or children, instead of serving and honoring the King of Kings who suffered and died to save their sorry butts from hell. Let me share some encouraging words with you. So long as a blood-bought, eternally saved, born-again child of God is at the very least trying to be obedient to those teachings and commandments of God's written word for the church, they need never fear being booted out of God's kingdom in the next life. Here's another point. We serve a loving and gracious God who is quite aware that his eternally saved by faith children are not going to serve him faithfully and perfectly 24-7 until we get our glorified bodies in the next life. So with that in mind, it's important to understand that our king is not expecting his children to always do and always say those things that please him. However, he does expect that when his children do disobey him, that they confess and repent of their disobedience, i.e. their sinful behavior, And start doing those things that please the king. If we do that, that keeps the child of God in good graces with the king. 
Number three, our, our king is a warrior god. He expects all the children to spend their earthly lives fighting and contending for the things of his kingdom, which would be his written word. Remember, we're called, we're commanded to contend for the faith. He also expects his children to grow strong in the faith and to be willing to defend his written word unto death. Doing this faithfully will result in a child of God hearing well done, good and faithful servant at the judgment seat of Christ. Here's, number, here's another point. Our God despises those children of his who grow weary of serving and obeying him. Being seen as being faithful by the king is not determined by how well the child of God starts their Christian life, but by how faithful they are when it's ended. So long as the true blood born again, eternally saved child of God does not renounce their Christian faith, that means there's a believer can actually say, I no longer believe that Christ is my Savior, they never need fear going to hell. However, simply being a born-again child of God and not at least trying to live like a child of the light will not spare that eternally saved born-again believer from having a very bad judgment day. I want to reiterate the fact that eternal salvation is a free gift that comes through faith. Because as I'm talking about these kingdom consequences, you need to understand there's a difference between receiving the free gift of eternal life and being found unfaithful in our Christian walk. So that means that a blood-bought, eternally saved, born-again child of God doesn't have to maintain their salvation through obedience to God's commandments. That means that a blood-bought, eternally saved, born-again child of God doesn't have to obey God's commandments in order to keep themselves from going to hell. Church, being obedient to God's commandments doesn't keep an already eternally saved believer out of hell. It earns them special kingdom rewards and blessings in the next life. Listen to these kingdom promises from Christ that are directed at the faithful in the church. Revelation 3, verse 10. He says, Because you believers have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Now, I'm going to interject. I believe that's going to be the rapture that's going to take place of the faithful believers. This idea that the whole church is going to be raptured up is, is, is moronic. It's idiotic. Okay, Why would the Lord rescue his carnal, disobedient, worldly-minded children from a time of suffering? But that's a different topic. Verse 11, Christ says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. This is kingdom promises. This is a kingdom reward. If you're faithful, you're going to be part of God's kingdom. He says, he goes on to say, he says, I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. These are special rewards and honors that a faithful believer receives in the kingdom. Brethren, the eternal salvation of a true, blood-bought, born-again child of God is not determined by how faithful their walk was with their Savior. However, their judgment seat of Christ's consequences are absolutely going to be determined by how faithful, i.e. obedient, they were to God's commandments and teachings while alive on planet Earth. Now, the scriptures are crystal clear that bad things are going to happen to unrepentant, rebellious and or disobedient, born-again, blood-bought, eternally saved children of God at the judgment seat of Christ. You need to understand that simply because a believer is a faithful churchgoer 
That does not mean that they will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We need to do what the book says. We need to follow God's instructions. We can't just be doing what's right in our own eyes. Now, it's a good thing to go to church, but if you're not teaching the truth and learning the truth and letting, and letting the truth change you, and if you're not sharing the truth and knowing the truth, that means you don't really care about the things of God. You don't care about God's truths. Now, the judgment seat of Christ will go better for the faithful churchgoer than it will for the carnal, unrepentant child of God. However... What's ultimately going to guarantee a child of God a good judgment is how faithful they were to God's written word for the church. Brethren, our Heavenly Father allows us in this life to ignore his commandments. But in the next life, we will suffer the consequences of choosing to be disobedient to his written word. Matthew 5.19 Christ says, If you ignore the least commandment and teach others also to do the same thing, you will be called least in the kingdom of God. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teachings, they will be called great in the kingdom of God. Brethren, these are promises from Christ. They're going to be eternally saved, blood-bought children of God who are going to suffer kingdom losses for choosing not to obey God's word. Just as there will be eternally saved, blood-bought children of God who are going to be rewarded with special kingdom honors for being faithful in obeying God's written word. Unfortunately, a lot of believers think, i.e. feel, that if a Another believer lives a life of unrepentant sin, they will not go to heaven. Again, is salvation a free gift that one receives through faith in Christ? Or is it only free until a child of God sins? Now, there's going to be consequences if a child of God, if a truly born-again, blood-bought, eternally saved child of God chooses to live for the world and the ways of the world and gets caught up in wicked, evil, sinful behaviors, there's going to be consequences. And it might not be in this life, but it's going to be in the next life. So I'm not saying that it's a good thing if a believer does this. I'm saying that a believer can get away with it in this life, but they're going to pay for it in the next life. That's what the kingdom rewards are all about. Now, again, most believers understand that a carnal, a rebellious, unrepentant child of God should be punished for living a life of unrepented sin. Unfortunately, these believers think that this punishment should be that this unrepented child of God should be sent to hell if they die. Again, is salvation a free gift that one receives through faith in Christ, or is it only free until a child of God sins? I'm going to share something with you that you need to intellectually ponder and dissect, i.e. keep your emotion button turned off as you, as you listen to what I say next. If you are a person who truly is a blood-bought, eternally saved, born-again child of God, then you already know that getting saved or born again was the result of you accepting the free gift of eternal life offered to all who accept Christ's sacrifice as the only means of their salvation. Now, if you truly do believe that, why would you think that any believer, any brother or sister in Christ who is living their life in unrepentant sin would go to hell if they died in a carnal, unrepentant spiritual condition? Again, is salvation a free gift that one receives through faith in Christ, or is it only free until the child of God sins? If you've been paying attention to my podcast, you already know that I do not condone or even ignore any believers who live unrepentant, sinful lifestyles. I have shared over and over and over again that bad things will happen to an unrepentant, rebellious, and or disobedient, born-again, blood-bought, eternally saved child of God. And I need to interject here because it isn't just the unrepentant, rebellious who are going to suffer. It's also those believers who think they're walking with the Lord who are ignoring his commandments, ignoring his, ignoring his scriptures. The Bible says when you know the right thing to do, 
The right thing to do would be the right thing that you know the scriptures tell you to do, and you don't do it, you're in sin. Okay, so you can be in sin even though you're a churchgoer, just because you're ignoring what God's commandments are. Anyways, but the bad thing that's going to happen to an unrepentant, carnal, or rebellious child of God who dies in their sins is not that they're going to be sent to hell, but rather they're going to suffer a loss of kingdom rewards or honors. Or worse yet, they're even there's even a possibility they're going to be banished from their Heavenly Father's kingdom in the next life. That's why Matthew 25, 30, the Master said, Throw this useless servant into the outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, he's telling him that on a kingdom, in a paradise kingdom. There's going to be a believer in a paradise kingdom who's going to be kicked out of God's supernatural kingdom of light, joy, and fellowship because of their carnal, earthly lifestyle. So now again, you would be right in assuming that there are eternal punishments for that eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again child of God who dies living their life in rebellious, unrepentant sin. However, that punishment is not going to be going to hell. Again, is salvation free or not? The punishment is going to be not hearing well done, good and faithful servant at the judgment seat of Christ, which in turn results in not receiving any kingdom rewards or honors, which could actually result in an eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again child of God being booted out, banished, from the king's millennial kingdom in the next life. Yes, that can happen. Christ taught that quite often. Again, one more time. Is the free gift of eternal salvation that a born-again person receives the nanosecond that they believe the gospel of Christ free? Or is it only free so long as that believer strives to serve their king? No, it's free. The free gift of eternal life is freely given and is never taken away from all those who truly believed that Christ and Christ alone paid for their sins. And the only way for a blood-bought, born-again, eternally saved from hell, child of God, to forfeit their eternal salvation is to renounce Christ as their Savior. But again, the carnal or disobedient child of God who dies in their sins will suffer bad judgment consequences at the judgment seat of Christ. So right now, let's let me explain some of the two future upcoming earthly, literal kingdoms of God that are going to happen. You know, there's two kingdoms that the Bible speaks about. One is the millennial kingdom. It's a thousand-year kingdom. Then there's going to be the new heavens and new earth kingdom. These are literal places. Kingdom of God is going to come down to this planet and land on this planet. And we'll, 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 deal, we'll deal with this a little bit here. But you need to understand that this is a genuine thing. This isn't just something Brother Bob made up, again, from watching too many uh, Lord of the Ring movies. Okay, these next verses in Revelation... Speak about this future millennial kingdom. And this is going to happen after the seven-year tribulation period, which is also going to be a literal bad time, a judgment on this planet that's going to happen. Now, there's a lot of believers in the church, sadly, who don't believe a tribulation time, a literal tribulation time, a seven-year tribulation time is going to happen. That's sad. You know, everybody, a lot of believers want to get all metaphorical. Oh, the tribulation is just a metaphor, and the millennial kingdom is just a metaphor. No, it's not. If you... If you if you read all the verses dealing with the millennial kingdom, um, it's not possible to happen metaphorically. There's had to be, there has to be things that literally happen. I'm not going to get into all that right now. That's not the purpose for this. Again, the purpose for these podcasts is not to explain everything about the kingdom, the future kingdoms. It's to explain to them, explain them to the church believer that there's consequences for how we live our earthly life when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ. And some of those consequences are going to be a loss of rewards or a gain of rewards for how faithful God finds us at the judgment seat of Christ. 
Now, brethren, this podcast is going to be a little long-winded, but I'm going to get finished up on this one. So even though it might run over a little bit longer than normal, you might have to just listen to this on your own on two parts. But I'm going to finish this up here no matter how long it takes. So we're going to get through this. So just pay attention and be patient. So this is from the book Revelation, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Again, the millennial kingdom is a thousand-year reign of Christ. He's literally going to be living in Jerusalem on planet Earth. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details about it again, but the millennial kingdom will not be a perfect sinless kingdom. There's going to be people living in the kingdom who are believers, unbelievers. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be uh, believers who have glorified bodies who are going to be who got rewarded and are going to be working and serving and ruling and reigning and helping Christ uh, run the millennial kingdom. So there's going to be people who die. There's going to be um, there's still going to be a sin cursed world, but it's not going to be as wicked as it is today. Uh, Satan and his little minions are going to be put away and locked up and. Um, Without his influence in this millennial kingdom, it's not going to be as bad. But the Lord's going to get rid of all the military weapons, and he's going to get rid of all the corruption. There's not going to be any corrupt politicians, corrupt police, corrupt lawyers. It's going to be a system where there's justice. Penalties are going to be handed out for those who do wrong. Um, There's not going to be any plea bargaining. Uh, you know, it's not going to be anybody behind the scenes washing other people's hands, getting away with stuff. So, uh, there's, it's going to be a, not a perfect kingdom, but it's going to be a pretty nice place. So Revelation 20, verse one through six, then I saw an angel coming out from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the old serpent who was called the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. Now he bound him in chains along with his minions, along with all of his demons. The angel threw Satan into the bottomless pit and then shut and locked it so that Satan and his demons could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. And afterward, he will be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and people sitting on them. And have been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Yeshua and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Now I'm going to interject here. At the end of the millennial period is going to be the great white throne judgment. Okay, so what's happening now is the people who are serving and ruling and reigning with Christ in the millennial kingdom are those born-again believers who the Lord deemed faithful and he gave them a well-done compliment at their judgment seat and part of their reward is to be serving and ruling and reigning and functioning and doing whatever is needed in God's millennial kingdom. Verse 6 says, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Here's a little scary thing. I'm not going to get into it now, but not all born-again believers are going to be part of the first resurrection. Only the faithful ones are going to be part of the first resurrection. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians that I, I, everything in my life that I had before I knew Christ, I counted as garbage, manure. My goal now is to serve Christ because I want to be part of the better resurrection. He knows that there's going to be different levels of rewards and blessings determined by how faithful a believer is at the judgment seat of Christ. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, 
I want to be faithful to Christ. So at the judgment seat, he says, well done, and I will have a part in the first resurrection and be living and functioning and serving and whatever is needed in the millennial kingdom. There are some believers who are not going to hear well done. And they're going to be at the judgment seat. The Lord says, no, you're not part of the kingdom. You're not, you're not, you didn't earn any rewards or blessings. You're still saved. You're not going to hell, but you're not, you're not going to serve in the millennial kingdom. That's why he says, blessed and holy are those believers who share in the first resurrection. Again, it says, blessed and holy are those believers who share in the first resurrection. The blessed and holy believers who are part of this millennium kingdom are those believers who heard well done, good and faithful child of God at the judgment seat. That's why they're there. They're not blessed and holy because they're born again. They're blessed and holy because they walked the talk. They were faithful in serving the Lord. They were faithful in obeying God's commandments. They dealt with their sin. When they stood in the presence of Christ, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And he entered the joy of the Lord. In this case, it's the millennial kingdom. He says, for these faithful believers, the second death has no power. Now, the second death is what takes place during the great white throne judgment. I'm not going to get into that, but it's not a good thing. If you're at this, if you're at the, if you're a believer at the great white throne judgment, it's not going to be good. Now, again, I'm not going to get all details about that. But if you're a believer and you have to wait for the great white throne judgment to be resurrected, um, you didn't hear well done at your judgment. The verse six goes on to say that these faithful believers will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. Now, the priest is metaphorically, again, a word for a servant of God. They're going to be doing the Lord's work. In the Old Testament, uh, the Levitical priests were involved in the temple sacrifices and doing the things uh, in that temple. Well, in the millennial kingdom, it's going to be those born-again believers who the Lord deemed faithful who are going to be the, the servants of the Lord in that millennial kingdom. They'll be doing all the Lord's work the uh, religious work, whatever has to do with uh, accomplishing God's will as far as the government or on the spiritual level, these uh, born-again believers will be servants, type of priests for the Lord during the millennial kingdom. So when you hear this word priest, don't think of Catholic priest with the funny collar. Okay, this just means a servant. It was a, it was a serv- the religious servant or the one in authority for the Lord uh, during this millennial period. So now for this thousand years, Satan and his minions are locked up. And the scriptures have a lot to say about the millennial kingdom. It's scattered throughout the scriptures. It's one of, Again, I've, I first couple of podcasts, uh, the kingdom teachings in the Bible are those hidden teachings that are scattered in plain sight throughout the scriptures. I could give you a hundred verses dealing with it, but time doesn't permit it. But 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul says, I, I solemnly charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Yeshua Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his coming kingdom. Brethren, the king's little millennia kingdom has not been set up yet. Look out the window. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's still a lot of wickedness and evilness, and it seems like Satan and his minions are running the show. And right now they are. This still is his world. He's not locked up yet. But it's going to come a day when the Lion of Judah shows up. That's who Christ is going to come back at, and he's going to kick some serious butt. And after that seven-year period, he's going to set up this paradise-like kingdom on planet Earth called the Millennial Kingdom. So again, brethren, the scriptures are clear. If a born-again, blood-bought, eternally saved child of God wants to be part of, serve in God's future millennial or new earth kingdoms, they must be found to be faithful, not perfect, faithful in their spiritual walk, 
by the king at the judgment seat of Christ. That's why Second First Thessalonians chapter 2 says, so that you walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. See, you just can't show up at the judgment seat because you're born again and expect you're going to get all these rewards and blessings. It doesn't work that way. Okay, I'm going to expound on this later on, though. The, there's optional rewards that I'm going to show you as I look at some of the churches in Revelation that these are rewards that you get in a kingdom, but they're optional reward. Optional means that you have to earn them or work for them. You have to deserve them. You don't just get them because you're born again. Again, brethren, why would the Apostle Paul command believers to strive to walk worthy if striving to walk righteously had no bearing on what our next life is going to be like? Again, I ask these questions rhetorically. Everything we do in this life is going to determine what kind of life we have in the next life. Let me tell you that. Everything that we do for Christ in this life is going to, be, is going to determine how well our next life goes. If you read throughout the Gospels and through the book of Acts, the, the missionary people, whether it was Peter or Paul or maybe it was Stephen, Philip, whoever it was, they were always preaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom. Just like when Christ, before he left, he spent 40 days with the apostles before the day of Pentecost. He spent 40 days, and I'm sure 40 days and nights, teaching them about the kingdom stuff. Okay, that He wasn't teaching them about salvation or how does a person get born again. They already knew that. He was teaching about kingdom stuff. That would have been about millennial kingdom stuff or the new heavens and new earth kingdom stuff. He was telling these apostles, you need to prepare the believers for another life in the kingdom. And this is what you need to teach them. This is what they need to do if they want to be honored and rewarded and blessed in those two future kingdoms. Just one example, in Acts 19.8, Paul entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading the Jews about the coming kingdom of God. Now, the apostle Paul was not preaching about salvation. These are already saved people. He was trying to explain and teach them about the upcoming kingdoms of God that were going to be coming to planet Earth. Even the faithful believers of the Old Testament knew something about God's future earthly kingdoms. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. That's what's going to happen in the millennial and especially in the new heavens and new earth kingdom. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. Contrary to what many of you were taught or believed, God's people, God's born-again, eternally saved people, are not going to spend their eternity in some mystical heavenly realm, floating amongst the clouds, dressed in white robes, and singing Kumbaya forevermore. Okay, there's going to be literal kingdoms. The more faithful you were down here, the more rewards and blessings you're going to have in that millennial kingdom. Again, let me read through some of these uh, optional kingdom rewards. Again, these are these are not rewards you get because simply because you're born again. You have to be found faithful. You have to be persevering. You have to be diligent. You have to be overcoming. You need to be walking the talk. You need to be not growing weary of doing good. you got to be in this for the long haul. Again, remember, as a born-again believer, it's not how you start out that matters to God. It's how you finish. So let's read some of these. Revelation 2.7. To every believer who is victorious, I will give the fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. Again, optional. If you're victorious, that means if you win the victory over your flesh. Again, this, is talking about, this isn't talking about being perfect. This is talking about walking the talk. This is talking about dealing with your sin. It talks about growing and maturing in the things of the Lord and, and being excited about doing what the Bible says because you know it pleases your Heavenly Father. 
Revelation 2.17, To every believer who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one who is faithful a white stone. And on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Again, this is a reward. This is a reward that's earned. This isn't a reward that's given out because you're just simply because you're born again. Revelation 2.26, To all the believers who are victorious, that means faithful until the end. Faithful until the end. That's what that means. That means you got victory over your flesh. You're winning more battles than you're losing. Okay? He says, To all believers who are victorious and who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. He's talking about in the millennial kingdom. In the millennial kingdom, if you've been, if you've been found faithful, you're going to be a servant where you're going to have authority get, given right from Christ to serve and function. Maybe as a governor, a mayor, whatever it's going to be, an overseer. goes on to say in Revelation 2.28, They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority that I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Again, rewards. These are earned rewards. Revelation 3, 4 through 5. It says, Yet there are some believers in the church of Sardis, who have not soiled their clothes. Now, he's not talking about that they were perfect, that they 24-7, they never sinned, and they, they're always walking with the Lord. No, he talks about they were dealing with their sin. When they when they sinned, they, they repented, they got cleansed, they were continually washing their the sins off their body and keeping their metaphorical white robe that they got when they got born again. They were keeping it clean. See, this is what the Lord wants us to do as his children, to be dealing with our sins. He knows we're not going to walk perfect. He expects us to deal with our sins. He's given us an avenue, a confession, a high priest we can go to when we sin and stumble. We go to him, we confess, repent, we're cleansed, and we keep moving forward. That's what overcoming means. He says, these believers who are faithful will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You hear that? They are worthy. You're going to hear people in the church say, well, born-again people aren't worthy of anything. We can't do nothing. There's nothing we can do apart from Christ. There's nothing we can do. There's no, there's no good in any of us. Well, you know what? When you're walking with the Lord, you can walk worthy. The Bible tells me that. Now, again, if it wasn't because I was born again, I need to be born again. I need the Holy Spirit in my life, obviously. But still, it's my choice to do these things. Holy Spirit doesn't drag me across the finish line. Holy Spirit doesn't make me walk worthy. I have to choose to want to do that. And all those who are victorious will be clothed in white. And I will never erase their name from the book of life. And I will announce them before my Father and the angels that are before me. This is going to be an honorary thing. I'm not going to get into it in this podcast, but there's going to be a big banquet in heaven. There's going to be at the judgment seat, big reward banquet. And if you're faithful, you're going to be in this amazing banquet hall with Abraham and Noah and Daniel and David and and, and and Christ is going to come and serve. He says, I'm going to serve food at the tables of all these people in here because they were faithful believers. And he's going to walk up to your table and he's going to say, uh, whoever you are, Brother Sally, Brother Dave, he's going to say, can you come up front? I want you to meet my dad because I'm pleased with you. You were, a faithful bo- you were a faithful brother in Christ. Come on up. I want you to meet my dad. What an amazing event that's going to be. It's not going to happen to everybody, people. It's not going to happen to all born-again believers. It's only those who the Lord deems faithful. Because Christ also warned that if there's believers who are ashamed of me or my words, I'm going to be ashamed of you. At the judgment seat, it's not going to go well for those people. For those born-again people who are ashamed of Christ or ashamed of his words, it's not going to go well. Now, it means they're not going to go to hell. But they're not going to have a very good judgment. And if their judgment doesn't go well, they're definitely not going to be serving 
and ruling and reigning with Christ in the millennial. Now, brethren, it's important to understand that is, even as a faithful believer gets rewards, he's never going to be looking in like with a puffed up head and his, his chest puffed up like I'm such a superhero guy. No, they're always going to be saying, thank you, Christ, for dying for me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And then they look at the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, thank you for coming and living in my life and helping me and help me grow and mature. We're always, especially, especially once we get to heaven, brethren, because we're going to have a glorified body. We know it's not going to be about us. But these rewards are things that we earned. But again, we're always going to be thanking Christ for dying for us and thanking the Holy Spirit for living in us. All right, so... But it's still, these are things that we earn and deserve because we choose to be faithful. Okay, here's one more. I'm going to read Revelation 3, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. Now, in the, in the book Revelation, this was written to the believers of the church of Philadelphia, but it applies to any church. Okay, this is just, we can put our own personal self in here because it says, Because you believers have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole earth to test those who belong to the world. And I believe what this is, is my personal view. I believe this is where the rapture takes place, a partial rapture of the faithful believers. The Lord's going to pull off the faithful believers when times get really difficult during the tribulation time. He's not going to pull off the whole church. I mean, I can't even imagine that just people believe that. A lot of the church is so carnal and so worldly. Why would the Lord spare them? If they love the world, he's going to let them go right through that world. He's going to let them go right through that tribulation period. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of believers who are going to line up to get that mark of the beast because they love their homes and their cars and their jobs and everything else that the world offers them. And they're not going to be thinking about eternal things and they're going to line up to get the mark of the beast. They're going to sell their soul. That's sad, but that's kind of a way of denying Christ because the scriptures are clearly warns, born again believers, if you take the mark, you're going to hell. Again, in these verses in these churches, this is Christ speaking. He, he goes on to say, Behold, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious, that means victorious in their walk, who are found faithful in their walk, will become pillars in the temple of my God. And they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Again, these are rewards and essential honors you're going to get. Some of this is in the millennial kingdom. Some of this is in the new heaven and earth kingdom. But either way, the only reason believers get this is because they were found faithful. This is why we have the warnings in the book of Galatians and Corinthians and Ephesians about believers. If you practice sin, you will not inherit the kingdom. That means you're not going to get a well done at your judgment seat, and you will not be living in God's kingdom. You'll not be ruling and reigning. You'll have no rewards. You'll have no blessings. You'll have no honors. I mean, this is the consequences if you're a born-again believer and you choose to live a, a life of unrepented sin, which you can't choose to do. But it's like, pay me now, you pay me later. Okay, so either we make up our mind to serve our Savior now, or we're going to pay the price in the next life. Now, again, nobody who's truly born again unless they deny the Lord, is going to hell. But the consequences are still going to be very, very sad for a lot of believers when the Lord tells them, you wicked, lazy servant, get him out of my sight. I don't want to see him. Kick him out of the kingdom. That's going to be a sad day. That's why there's weeping and gnashing of teeth for these believers who get kicked out of the kingdom because for all eternity, they're going to regret that they wasted their life living for their self. 
Again, there's a lot of Bible verses dealing with this millennial kingdom life, but it says in Isaiah 11, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together, the leopard will lie down with the baby goat, the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near a bear, the cub and the calf will lie down together, the lion will eat hay like a cow, and the baby can play near the hole of a cobra and not be injured. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy anybody on my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. The millennial life is going to be pretty grand. Again, not perfect, pretty grand. He says, during the millennial time crisis, I will cause showers to come down in their season. There'll be showers of blessing. Also, the trees of the field will yield its fruit, and the earth will yield its increase. So there's going to be trees, farm crops. Again, Joel says, in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk. And all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out from the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, the water, the valley of Shittim. And here's one more verse, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 3. Now the Lord says, I'm returning to Mount Zion, and I will live in Jerusalem. Remember when Christ left the first time, he says he's coming back again. All right? He went to set up in his father's house, his kingdom, to set up places for the faithful believers. He says, and Zechariah goes on, Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord of Armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And those streets will be filled with boys and girls at play. He's, he goes on to say, he said, I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home safely to live in Jerusalem. There will be my people and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. Okay, so there's going to be a literal kingdom realm Inside of a kingdom realm. The millennial kingdom will be, be on the whole planet. But also there's going to be a kingdom realm around Jerusalem. with A city with 12 gates. And it's going to be a beautiful place. And um, it's not going to be as amazing as it gets in the new heavens and new earth kingdom. But it's going to be pretty neat. It's going to be almost, again, almost like a sinless environment. A uh, perfect environment. Not quite. But it's going to be pretty nice. It's going to be a paradise environment. Now, I'm not going to delve too much into the new heavens and new earth kingdom. Uh, if you're... If you're part of the millennial kingdom, if you're found faithful, uh, you're going to be part of that new heaven and earth kingdom. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. It's going to be a beautiful spot. It's going to come down. It's a gigantic city. If you were faithful, found faithful to judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be part of that kingdom. All right? So it's just so important to brethren to understand that simply being born again does not guarantee you hearing a well done at the judgment seat. So it's a good time to remind all of God's children that, yes, it is a good thing to be found to be faithful at the judgment seat of Christ. But let's never forget that the only reason that any believer even has the opportunity to be found faithful in the eyes of a holy and just God is because he loved us first. If it wasn't for the supernatural change in our lives that took place when we got born again, none of us would be doing anything that could please the Lord. And there would be no possibility of ever pleasing Creator God unless we first chose to honor his Son who died for us. And ultimately... All this is only possible because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God far above all other gods, chose to leave his heavenly realm and freely offer himself as a saving Redeemer God for a people hopelessly headed to hell. I share all this because even if the Lord deems us faithful, that journey couldn't even have started if God's love for sinners wasn't as powerful 
as his holiness and justice. So one more time, what would be the consequences for a believer who dies while wallowing in unrepentant sin or maybe living their spiritual life with one foot in the world and one in the church, disobeying God's scriptures, there's still going to be consequences. You can be a churchgoer. So what are what are the consequences going to be? He says in Galatians 5.19, let me remind you believers again, as I have I've warned you before, I'm going to warn you again, that any child of God living that sort of unrepentant sinful life will not inherit the things of the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5.5, 5, know this for certainty, believers, that no immoral or impure person or covetous child of God who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. These are kingdom consequences. These are not salvation consequences. Is what I'm sharing making any sense to you? Now, once again, since a born-again believer's eternal salvation is a free gift from God that only requires one stipulation to receive it, and that stipulation is you believe it, i.e. accept it, what are the consequences for a true, blood-bought, eternally saved child of God who chooses to live their earthly lives in ways that are not pleasing to the Father? Let me read it one more time. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10. through Don't you believers realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those believers who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or who are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, which was going on quite a bit in the Corinthian church, or are thieves or are greedy or drunkards or abusive or cheat, or you could say, or gossip or backstab or slander, uh, any kind of sin that you wallow in and don't repent of, any believers who wallow in this unrepentant sin will not inherit the things of the kingdom of God. That's what Paul is saying. He's not saying they're going to be unsaved. He's not saying they're going to go to hell. They're going to lose and forfeit rewards and blessings and honors in the kingdom. Galatians 5.19 When you born again, eternally saved children of God, follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, etc., etc., etc. He says, sins like these, if you do these, if they're part of your life, if you're part of your unrepented sinful life, is I'm telling you, as I told you before, any child of God living that sort of life will not inherit the things of the kingdom of God. Finally, Ephesians 5.5. 5, For this you believers know with certainty, that no immoral or impure believer or covetous believer or somebody who's an idolater, could be a sports freak who loves the Packers or the Bears more than, than they love the Lord. None, no believer who has these kind of unrepentant, sinful behaviors is going to inherit, inherit the things of the kingdom. Okay, These are these verses are directed right at born-again believers. These are not warnings to lost people. Okay, These are warnings to eternally saved children of God. Okay, I'm running, running way past. I'm going to close this up. It says, James 2.5, Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? And again, how do we show God we love him? By being obedient to his commandments. It says in Acts 14.21, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, and they strengthened the faith of the believers. They encouraged the believers to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships if they want to enter the kingdom of God. Everyone listen to me. I'm not spending a lot of time going through all the Bible verses that teach about the coming kingdom of God because that's not what I'm focused on in these kingdom podcasts. My main focus in these podcasts is to get eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again believers to see 
that it takes much more than simply being a child of God to get into these future kingdoms of God. It takes more than simply being a dedicated churchgoer to get into these kingdoms of God. If an eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again believer wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at the judgment seat of Christ, they must be faithfully and sincerely obedient to those truths of God's word that he has established for his church. Brethren, it's impossible to please the king if we're not obeying the king's decrees and laws. Christ himself said, Luke chapter 9, verse 26, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father. This is directed towards believers, not lost people. He also said, Therefore, any believer who confesses me before men, I will also confess them before my Father who is in heaven. Only believers are in heaven, Lord. People, you need to understand, only believers are in heaven. But Christ went on to say, But any believer who denies me before men, I will also deny them before my Father who is in heaven. I mentioned to more about the big banquet. If you're faithful, you'll be at the banquet, and Christ is going to introduce you to his Father. Part of your faithful reward package is being at this banquet, being part of the Bride of Christ, and being introduced to the Father because you're going to be recognized as a faithful, not perfect, but faithful believer. Christ warned his followers he said, not every believer who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, in the next life is what he means, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's, Christ said this. Only those believers who actually do the will of my Father will enter. And the will of the Father is to obey the Son. is to obey God's commandments. Again, on the judgment day, many children of God are going to say, Lord, Lord, hey, remember us? We did a bunch of church stuff using your name. But he's going to reply to these eternally saved, blood-bought children of God, you know what? You and I never had a good spiritual relationship. I don't even know you. You didn't do what I said. You weren't obedient to my commandments. You weren't, you weren't faithful to the word of God. I don't know you. Christ was clear. He taught, if you want me and the Father to abide with you, you need to abide with us by keeping my commandments. Just being a churchgoer singing pretty songs doesn't mean you're abiding with the Lord. You need to understand it. Brethren, our next life is a forever life. So if we desire to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, in the next life, we better figure out what our Heavenly Father expects of us in this life. In Luke 13, 22, it says, Yeshua went through the towns and villages teaching as he always did. He went about pressing on toward Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, only a few are going to be saved. At the, he means saved from a bad judgment. Christ replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading and say, Lord, open the door for us. Don't you know us? But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know who you are or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who practice evil. Or lawlessness is the word there. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you believers, some of you believers will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you're going to be thrown out. Again, Christ's words, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. Again, I'm going to try to do this one more time. Does a born-again, blood-bought believer's eternal salvation come through working hard, or is it a free gift? It's absolutely free, and it's freely given to all who truly believe that Yeshua Christ died to pay for their sins. So why would Christ tell eternally saved, blood-bought children of God to work hard to get into God's kingdom? Christ said that because getting eternally saved is easy, it comes through simple faith in the gospel. 
Well, on the other hand, being found to be worthy to be part of God's kingdom realm in the next life involves genuine dedication, diligent perseverance, unending faithfulness, and sincere obedience to our King's laws and teachings. Yeshua Christ replied, Work hard, my friends, to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. Brethren, if we want to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom in the next life, it takes more than simply being born again. If we want to stand in the presence of the Lord and be honored and rewarded by him, it takes more than being simply born again. We have to choose to walk in a manner that pleases him. We have to choose to obey the king's commandments and rules. We can't live our Christian lives in ways that feels right in our own eyes. We have to do as the book says. Follow the book sincerely, obediently, righteously, and diligently. And when we get to the other side, we will hear, Well done. Enter the joy of the Lord. Your true friend in Christ, Brother Bob. Again, saints, you got to get in the book and read it. The only way you're going to learn this stuff, the only way you're going to know you're on the right path, the only way you're going to know if you're pleasing the king or not is to know what the king's commandments are. And the only way to know what the king's commandments are is to know and obey your scriptures. 